Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. The philosopher Rene Descartes walks into a bar. (laughs) It could have happened. And he's feeling, well, philosophical. So, as he's sitting on the bar stool to know one in particular, he says, I think, therefore, I am. And the bartender walks up. He says, yeah, whatever. What do you want? Rene Descartes says, I believe I'll have a beer. So he gets a beer. Then a few minutes later, the bartender comes back over. He says, would you like another? And Rene Descartes says, I believe so. And so he has another beer. Then after a while, the bartender moseys back on over, and he says, "Uh, would you like another beer? And Rene Descartes says, I think not. And then he disappeared. (laughs) I've been wanting to tell that joke for a really long time. (laughs) This morning, we are working with this book, Thoughts Are Things, by um, our founder, Ernest Holmes. Uh, One of the many books that I believe uh, he might have written after his demise. (laughs) I don't know. They keep coming up with him. Uh, And it's one of many books like this, this size, with this kind of print, just kind of a condensed, very uh, user-friendly version of some aspect of our philosophy um, that's just really easy to read. Um, And again, this is Thoughts Are Things. And I am going to begin with a quote from someone who's described as a Christian layman and deacon of a Southern Baptist church. So this is not a science of mind person. This is someone else entirely. He wrote a book, um, his name is Harvey Gardner, he wrote a book called Thought, An Awesome Creative Force, What Are You Thinking? If there's a universal problem with people in the 21st century, it's that they simply don't think. I should qualify that by saying they don't think the right way. They don't think of the consequences of their thoughts, of their words, of their actions. They don't understand the awesome creative power of their thoughts. All creatures are supplied at birth with everything they need for survival, for success. All creatures except the human are supplied with instincts that do the job for them so they don't have to do much thinking. That's not true of us. We're given a brain which gives us the godlike power to shape our lives according to the thoughts and the images that we hold in our minds. Consider for a moment the things your mind has brought you up until this point. Your family, your friends, your religion, your philosophy of life, and your work. Recently at UCLA Brain Research Institute, Uh, A study revealed that the creative power of the brain may be limitless. What a concept, right? If that's true, then our thoughts are truly an awesome creative force. We have an unbelievable potential that's determined or held in check by our thought. Everything we have, everything we do not have, is a result of our thought. This makes us unique because we become, we achieve what we think about, what we believe. Your thoughts change your life. 
this is exciting because you can learn how to control your thoughts. One of the reasons I love this is because it is one of many papers and books and whatever other media there is. This is coming at us from all sides now. This is not just a science of mind tenet. It's not just a science of mind philosophy. It's coming from everywhere, all the time. We're surrounded by this construct, this belief that thought is creative. That is uh, one of the basic tenets of science of mind. The first one being that there's only one of whatever it is that is everything. And the second one is that our thought is creative. In the same way that we believe that creation is the result of um, the one thing that I call God, um, God's thought moving upon itself, and as a result of that, all of creation is born. And we create as human beings, the exact same way with our thought. And I know this isn't the first time that we've talked about this. One of the reasons I know this is because I've talked about it. And the reason that we keep talking about it is because it's important, because it's the golden key. To the extent that we understand this and acknowledge that it's the truth of us, we have the technology to live the lives that we would like to live, that we want to be in, that we want to be as. We can do that. And the cool thing is, we don't have to do anything to develop the technology itself. It's built in. We already are that. So we just need to learn to um, pay attention to what's already there and then change it up if we don't like what's there and then we're good to go, right? That was easy. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I'll see you next week. No, that's... <laughs> But really, that's, that's, what, that's what it's about, is that our thought creates our lives. And so this morning we're going to be talking about the first step in all of that, which is to look at what's already there. Um, much like the um, CNN crawl that just kind of keeps going across the screen all the time, we have that going on here. <coughs> And most of the time, we don't pay attention to it. Most of the time, we don't know what it is, and yet it informs every decision that we make. It has brought us to where we are today, essentially. And so we need to know what that is. Because only when we know what it is can we change it. But first, we have to know what's there. It's like taking an inventory. They talked about it. They Ernest Holmes talked about it. He used a, the metaphor of a welcome sign. That, imagine there's a welcome, we all have a welcome sign up above our heads. What might yours say? Does it just say, bring it? Or does it say, uh, welcome love, welcome joy, uh, welcome power, welcome creativity? Do, do you see where I'm going with that? What does it say? Because in a way, we all have that. And we need to know what it says. So, a beginning practice is really learning to watch what we are thinking. And it does take practice, and it can be fascinating. It can also be a little bit distressing. But we don't want to go there. I think the only way that we can do this, this investigation, this uh, inventory, is if we make an agreement with ourselves that we're doing this, it's a point of curiosity, uh, not a point of judgment. So what we do not want to do, simply because it isn't helpful, is to 
pick up something and go, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Well, no wonder my life is blah, blah, blah. What a dumb, you know, what, how, that isn't useful. It's not useful because here's what, you've already made that choice. You can't go back and change it now, but you can sure learn from it. And you can decide if you want to have that thought, if you want to make that choice, or if you want to choose something else. But the only way we can do that is if we set it up in advance and make an agreement with ourselves that we're just, we just want to know what's in there. And we want to know what we want to put our name on, what we want to keep. Imagine you have a box. Imagine you have one box that has all the stuff in it. And then you have another box that you're going to take to the garbage. And then you have another box that you're going to keep. And so all you're doing, it's purely mechanical. That's all it is. You're just investigating. You're picking it up. Is this true for me? Do I want this? Yes or no. No judgment, no comment on your worth as a human being or any of that. You just pick it up, look at it. Yes or no. It goes in the keep pile or it doesn't. That's it. It's that simple. Because he says, Ernest Holmes says, our thoughts are like bait in a trap. And they are. And we will continue to attract what we are thinking all the time in every aspect of our life. And typically it shows up most startlingly in relationships that we have. Have you ever noticed other people, because it's so much easier to notice other people, have you ever noticed how some people just keep having the same relationship over and over again, it always turns out the same? It's allegedly a different person, but it really isn't. It's just we just dress them up differently and trot them out again. That is a classic example because what's the one constant there? Let's say you look at 10 years and you've had, uh, let's say four, I'm just making this up, you've had four relationships. And they all started out the same. They were pretty much the same in the middle and they all ended exactly the same. What is the one constant in all four of those relationships? Do the math. So that's where we start. Again, not in a judgment way, in a curiosity way, in a way of, of recognizing that we can choose to live lives that we want to be in, that we want to have. We have that technology. We have that power. Because that's what got us here now. And I'm not suggesting that every single event that takes place in your life is your fault. There's no one to blame here. Let's throw the fault and the blame thing right out the window. Again, it is not useful. It's what is this event trying to tell me? What information is there for me here? And sometimes it's not so much what happens as how we respond to what happens. Obviously, if it's a relationship issue that's happening over and over and over and over again, then obviously I'm creating that and I need to look at it. But sometimes we just don't know. I mean, we just don't know. But what we do know is that we can be a choice as to what we are thinking and how we respond to anything that's going on. And that's where, that to me, that's where the power is. So first we have to know what's here. Then we have to decide if we want to keep it or if we don't. And so far, those things, see, we can do both those things. We can look at what's in here, and then we can decide what we want to keep and what we don't. And this is like from one of those, I don't know, I don't watch the movies. Some people watch movies because they like to have the you-know-what scared out of them. I'm not one of those people. I don't like to watch scary movies. But one series was, it said, be aware, be very, or no, be, be afraid, be very afraid. 
And my first response is, I don't think so. Why would I do that? But anyway, so what, what I think of is be aware, be very aware. Be very aware. Be very aware of what our thought pattern is. Flu season. I guess we should get the flu if it's flu season, right? We're going to get the flu. I was sitting in the chiropractic office last week. I spoke about this earlier. And as I was sitting there, I don't know, I was there 10, 15 minutes, and I could hear the receptionist. Six people called and canceled their appointments because they were sick. And then they started talking about how this thing was going around. And so I didn't know if I was supposed to just uh, make arrangements to accept that or, or, or what. It's like flu season again. Uh, they just make that up. That, that doesn't mean anything. And the other thing, uh, thoughts are things, words matter. I know someone that I'm very close to that talks constantly about her diabetes. She's darn proud of that. Or my arthritis. Do you really want that? That matters. I phrase it very carefully when I, you know, I have been diagnosed with, or the diagnosis looks as if, or it seems as if I might have a cold. I know it seems silly on the surface, but it isn't. It's important. And I do that all the time. I started doing it probably, I don't know, maybe almost 20 years ago. And finally, my daughter just got sick of it. My one daughter said, Mom, you have to think about everything. It's like, yeah, I do. Because it matters. It matters. Because either we're taking it in like a magnet or we're not. And so I want to use my magnet for really cool stuff. I have another friend who says, sometimes he'll say, God, I've been thinking about this so long, it's giving me a headache. Well, then stop. (laughs) Don't think about that anymore. (laughs) Because we can do that. You know, we we can do that. I'm going to quote here from Ernest Holmes. Regardless of what negative condition may exist in your life, there is a mind of God, in the mind of God, a pattern of perfection for your life, for you. Otherwise, it could never have been created to begin with or sustained or renewed. Your life is of God. Again, it has to be because that's all there is. So everything in your life is the expression of perfection of the life of spirit within you. As you recognize that there is a river of life within you, which flows from the eternal source of all life, you need to open your mind and accept the full influx of its life-giving power. Again, the good news is that we don't have to build anything here. We don't have to invent anything here. We simply have to commit to being aware of what is running and choose if we want that to continue or if we don't. And we have the technology to do that. We have to have the willingness to do that. And now I'm going to talk about the third step, which is magical. It says so right in here. You all are familiar with mental rabbits, right? I know I wasn't either. (laughs) But I like the visual. Mental rabbits. Ernest Holmes says, We're always amused and amazed at the infinite variety and limitless number of things that a magician is able to pull out of a top hat. 
We may not be so good at pulling live rabbits out of a hat, but it's entirely possible that we are better musicians or magicians. Some musicians are magical. It's entirely possible that we are better magicians than we realize. In fact, the things that we seem to be able to pull out of our mental hat would make any magician look like an amateur, and there's nothing make believe about what we do. It's all for real. Let's see how capable we are sometimes. We get in an argument with someone, one of those heated affairs which gets us considerably disturbed. Soon we find that our stomach is in knots and the digestive process is all stopped up. By now we have no idea about what the argument was about really, but now we've begun to worry about our stomach, maybe we have an ulcer. And we spend so much time thinking about this that now we've got a headache. <laughs> and then the aches and the pains start developing in all kinds of places, which of course provide us with more props to put on an even bigger show. The big finale is reached when we're so exhausted that we can't go to work and no part of our body is functioning. It would appear that we need to become more aware of our unusual ability as a magician. Once we know what capabilities we have for causing ourselves trouble, perhaps we will be more careful as to how we use them. Because if we can cause ourselves trouble, we can cause ourselves anything, right? Because it's the same technology. There's also the fact that this creative ability we can we have can be used for our benefit instead of our detriment. There are many wonderful things to be experienced in life. Let us learn to concentrate on pulling those out of the creative power of our thought. I love this because, first of all, obviously it's empowering to realize that we can um, control our own thought. We can. Usually we don't, but we can. And a few weeks ago, I don't remember who, who the author was, the book we were working with, said that, in fact, the only possibility we have of controlling anything is controlling our own thought. And most of us, frankly, I include myself in this, would be hard-pressed to do that. But it's a practice, and it's a practice, and we can do it. And so we have to watch those mental rabbits, because we can just twirl ourselves up into a knot doing something like that. We can just take it and run with it. And often we forget what even started the whole thing. We're just off and running. That's it. So what do we do? First, we look at what's there. And then we lovingly choose what we want to keep and what we want to give up with no pronouncement of anything other than I choose this and I don't want this anymore. We don't have to pronounce it as good or bad or indifferent or try to figure out where it came from or talk to our mother about why in the world she told us that. or any, We don't do any of that stuff. We don't do any of that. We just look at what's it's important. What is running me? And is that true? Do I want to keep that or do I not? And at first, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a constant practice. It really, truly is. Because we've spent most of our lives on autopilot, have we not? I remember the first time I said to somebody, um, Oh, it was some kind of family event, and she said something, and there was some big, turned into this big deal because um, some of us wanted to have this family gathering, and our family's 40-plus people, at, at, a, at a, uh, a restaurant. And then some other people said, oh, no, that's, we can't afford that. It's too expensive, and so on and so forth. And finally, I was talking with a sister-in-law, and I said, you know, we're just going to have to make a call here and go with it. And she said, well, I just want everybody to be happy. I said, sweetie, you don't have any control over that. 
You know, you don't have any control over that. I have a shot and making myself happy. <laughs> that, that, that's as good as it gets. <laughs> and, and I'm grateful for that. So we recognize that we have the power to choose what we think. And then we look at our thought environment and see what's there. And then we choose what we want to keep and what we don't. And then this, the other thing that we want to do is we want to court a consistent spiritual practice that keeps us grounded and keeps us focused in love as to what we are thinking. And it does take practice. It takes observation. But we can do that. So repeat the truth consistently and often. Sometimes, usually at night, but not always at night, I will confess, sometimes I all of a sudden look at my CNN crawl and it looks pretty spotty. And I do not wish it to be like that. And so I kind of have to rein myself in. And I have a few things that I do, one of which is amazingly simple and terrifically effective for me which is I just start repeating to myself, there is only one life, that life is God, that life is perfect, that life is my life now. There is only one life, that life is God, that life is perfect, that life is my life now. And I can talk myself just down. And if it's at night, I think after saying it four times, I wake up the next morning. Um, it's, it's really effective. And the other thing, and when I read this, I thought... And those of you who know me know that this would not be my DNA, really. It's learn the art of kidding yourself. And I read that, and then I read it again, and I thought, well, yeah, I already do that. Because sometimes I will realize about mid-morning that I really feel kind of poopy for no particular reason. I'm sad, I'm crabby, whatever. And so I just start smiling. I can do this because I don't, nobody's there. <laughs> so nobody knows this. Well, you all know it now, but <laughs> if you just stop and you just smile, do you know, and I can feel it right now, it changes everything. It changes how you feel. It changes the chemistry in your brain. It changes everything if you just smile. That's it. Another thing is to recall a happier time and maybe have a list. Seriously, have a list of uh, five memories, your go-tos. One of my most powerful ones is the day that my youngest daughter was born. Um, I will never forget it. When I start talking about it, I get overclamped because I just, it was just perfect. First of all, I chose the father. That was awesome. My husband, yes, yes. And then I chose to have her. I was 30 and thought I was done, but I chose to have her. I chose a doctor from France because he had this uh, certain method with water and such and candles and really quiet stuff. And I, so I chose the whole thing. And it was, the, it was just beautiful. It was stunning. And I remember during the day, I remember thinking, I wish I could slow everything down because I didn't want this day to be done because it was so awesome. And I still remember that. And I can still feel it. And I can still see as they handed the baby to my husband and she looked up at him and he looked down at her. I will never forget that as long as I live, ever. It was awesome. And what was so cool is I remember, I really do remember thinking, oh, please slow down, slow down, slow down. You know, so I can be in this more. That can bring me out of pretty much anything. Just remembering that. 
Um, and sometimes we just need to stop and reboot. We can do that by just stopping, literally stopping, sometimes just stopping and just taking a deep breath. Because I hope I'm not the only one. Sometimes I can get so twirled up in my own stuff that somebody's got to pry me off the ceiling. And I just made it all up. You know, it's just out of control, like those, what do you call those thingles? Those uh, Amazon's going to get them to deliver stuff. Those, yeah, those things. I mean, they're allegedly supposed to be controlled, but I don't know. But anyway, kind of like that, where you just kind of start twirling, and, and yeah. And the thing is, if I made that up, I can make something else up, right? Because we get to choose. We just have to remember we get to choose. We get to choose. The thing you have to give up, though, if you're going to do this is, is victim stuff. That's not, that's not going to work. Nobody did do nothing to you. You have to give all that up, which is also empowering, by the way. So this is what we've been talking about, is practicing the awareness of what we are telling ourselves, which, again, sometimes can be fairly stunning. Sometimes it can be fabulous. Sometimes not. And then we can exercise the responsibility and the right that we have to change it because it's our stuff. So we can make it whatever we want. We already made it up anyway. It's already a story anyway. So why not make up a story that you want to be, that you want to be a character in, that you want to be part of, that's fun, that's exciting? I mean, why not, right? And then we need to watch those mental rabbits. Mine are like a runaway train. We have to watch that. And remember, see, everything so far, everything that I've spoken about and everything that I discover about all of this, there's even if there's, like, say, that rabbit thing, the runaway, the magical rat, whatever that was. Well, the good news is I can use the same thing and flip it so that there's a different outcome. So even if it's something that looks yucky at first... You don't look at the yucky, That you look at what created the yucky. I did. If I created that, I can create something else. That's what I use, it makes me feel better. So essentially, it's your party. You get to choose the decorations, you get to choose the cake, you get to choose the people that come, it's your party. And that's what I wish for all of us, that we remember it's our party. So I'm going to close with a quote and then a prayer. I don't know if this book's on the sale table or not, but I would say pick it up immediately, forthwith, if you haven't already. There are many aspects of health and life, and you, like everyone else, at one time or another are generally concerned about them. Life in any aspect is not a thing that can be earned as a reward. Neither can it be bought. This does not mean that there are not many aids and much assistance of which you can avail yourself. There is one thing that needs to be remembered. Life is a dynamic, animating force. It's this force which continually seeks to express and flow through you. No one can explain what it is. No one can explain exactly how it works. But that it exists, there is no doubt. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. There are many ways by which you can increase or impede its action. The least recognized and yet probably the most vital is the power of your own thought. 
in your own mind, to a large degree, rests the ability to deny or accept and use the continuing flow of the dynamic force of life which created you in the first place. It's already there and you're it. Let us pray. And so in this moment of remembering, I'm remembering that there is one thing that is everything that I call God, that there's nothing omitted from it, nothing left out. It includes every aspect of life itself, known and unknown, past, present, future, all of it, God, the perfection of God, the love of God, the truth that is God. I know that means me. I know the same technology that the infinite uses to create time and space and galaxies and planets and all life exists within me as me. That rather than being a drop in the ocean, I'm the ocean in a drop. I'm the container for all that has ever been or will ever be. I know that means me, and so I know it means everyone in this room, all of us, the perfect expression of a perfect creator. So I speak this word for and about every single one of us this morning, affirming and knowing, insisting on a remembering of who and what we are, that there literally is no limit to the lives that we can live, that we can choose and then we can choose again and then after that we can choose again and we can change our mind and we can choose after that. That the love that is the infinite, that is life itself, stands with us in every situation, in every thought. And I'm grateful to know this. I'm grateful to know that there is only one life and that we live it every moment. And in gratitude for knowing this truth, I release this word knowing it's done. I let it be. And so it is. So it is. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.